0: Before we get started with this episode, I want to take a moment to talk about our sponsor. Do you have a cause or a passion that you want to advocate for, but you don't know where to start and posting everything you know on social media isn't getting the word out as much as you would want? Anchor not only gives you the ability to record and distribute your podcast, but makes it extremely easy with all the tools that you need. You simply download the Anchor app and everything you need to create your podcast is right at your fingertips. There's even a tool to have a guest on your show. So what are you waiting for? Download the Anchor app today. Hey guys, my name is Kaylin Struntz and thank you for listening to my podcast, Unexpressed Love. Let's get started. Before getting into this episode, I just want to check in with you guys. How are you doing? How is your grief journey going? Do you feel that you have the people that you need, the resources that you need, the coping skills that you need, or do you feel like you need more? Are there certain episodes you would like me to make or certain topics you want me to talk about? If there's something specific that you're struggling with right now in your grief journey, I'd love to hear from you because it could be something that I've already struggled with or that somebody else that's grieving could be struggling with. And when we talk about our struggles, we allow other people to see that they're not alone in their feelings and allow the others that have gone through those experiences before to help us get through them. Grief can be a very chaotic journey, but we can get through it together. So let's talk about it. Now let's move on to what this episode is going to be about. About a month ago, I put out a survey. And in the survey, I asked different questions relating to grief. So did you feel prepared? What has helped you cope? Did you get to say goodbye to your loved one? One of the reasons I wanted to create this survey was to get more insight on how others view their own grief, how they're dealing with it, and what more I can do when educating others on grief. And to tell you that some of the answers were surprising is an understatement. Over half of the people surveyed said that they did not feel prepared for grief at all. One of the reasons for a lack of preparation is because of the lack of discussion when it comes to death and grief. We're taught from a young age to fear death and that it's the end, when in reality, that's not the case. We're not told about all the different emotions that we're going to be feeling and how those Different types of emotions are going to continue throughout the rest of your life. No one tells you that you question if you'll ever truly be happy again. Or that the waves will hit you at the most random times. Or even that a bag of chips at the grocery store is going to be a trigger for you. We as a society tend to ignore the ones that are grieving And tell them that they should be over it and to move on with their lives. But it's not a breakup with your high school boyfriend. You're losing someone that you loved and not by choice. And it's not just the ending of a relationship. It's the ending of their part in your play. Looking at my dad's passing from the perspective of his part in our play of life has just simply ended. It's time for him to sit in the audience and watch and guide and cheer us on as we continue going. The next question I'm going to discuss and the results that I got from it could be a little upsetting for some of the people listening. So I just wanted to warn you before I continue on with it. The next question that I asked was if they were able to say goodbye to their loved one. When I put this question on the survey, I had assumed that a majority of people would have had the opportunity to say goodbye. But as more and more people started to take the survey, I quickly saw that that's not a case the majority of the time. A little over half of those surveyed said that they didn't get to say goodbye to their loved one, which means that it must have been sudden or that they weren't able to get into town on time. These results showed me how truly lucky I was to be able to sit next to my dad before he passed away and tell him how much I loved and appreciated him and that we were going to be okay without him. But not everybody gets that opportunity, which can leave those that were unable to say goodbye with a lack of closure. It can also leave some people with guilt because you didn't get there as soon as you should have. Or you had an argument with them a couple of days before that was never settled. And that guilt is completely valid. But don't let it swallow you whole. Because when they cross over... They see a much bigger picture than we can see. They've forgiven and they've moved on. All they can think about is how much they love you. And although you can't physically see them, they're always with you. They love seeing everything that you continue to do and accomplish throughout your life. And in a way, being more involved in it than they would have been if they were physically here. Instead of seeing the final product of something that you've worked so hard for, they get to be behind the scenes and see every step that you take as you reach that goal. They're always there cheering you on through everything you go through. The next question I'm going to talk about discusses some of the things that you hear from other friends and family when you're grieving. Even when our friends and family mean well... They can say things that don't make the grief any better and sometimes make the grief worse. One of the things that I saw repeated on the survey that people wish others would stop saying to them is that their loved one is in a better place. Although that's true, it doesn't take away our pain. It doesn't make us miss them any less. If anything, it makes us ask why we aren't in that better place. Or why they needed to go to that better place as early as they did. There's also people that could have different beliefs than you do. And saying that they're in a better place doesn't resonate with them. We have to be mindful of the way we try to help others that are grieving with the advice that we give. Because there are some things that are going to work for you in your grief, but that doesn't mean that it works for others during their grief. And some things that work for you based on your beliefs are going to work for you, but not for others because they don't believe the same way. And that's okay. For those of us that believe that our loved ones are in a better place, we already have that in the back of our minds and we know that wholeheartedly. So telling us that isn't anything new and as sad as it is, it's not going to make the grief go anywhere until we process it. The other most common statement on the survey that people wished that their family and friends would stop saying is that they wouldn't want you to be sad. We know that. We know that the last thing our past loved ones want is to see us here on the earth side still extremely sad and constantly missing them but without their physical body here to spend time with you laugh with you cry with you spend holidays together and go on vacations your whole life has completely changed and being told that they wouldn't want me to be missing them hurts. We can't truly feel joy and find a new way of living our life until we process those feelings of grief. And within the first six months to a year to two years, that grief can be a lot more intense than it's going to be as time continues. We have to meet those that we love where they are in the times that we want to help them. Just be with them, sit with them, let them get it all out, whether that's through crying, talking about it, whatever they need to do. Sometimes you can ask them, what exactly can I do to help you right now? But sometimes we don't even have an answer for that when you're dealing with grief. So just be there be in the room with them, be company, just let them know you're there. Whether there's anything specific that you can or cannot do, taking the time to physically sit with them can make a big difference. One of the other questions that I asked was, what are the hardest holidays to celebrate? I felt like this question could have had answers all over the board. Because to some people, some holidays are more important than others. And it varies between your favorite holiday being Halloween or Christmas or your family having certain traditions on Mother's Day, but not other holidays. So it makes those specific holidays a little bit harder to get through when your person isn't here anymore. Of course, the hardest ones were Christmas, Thanksgiving... Birthdays, Mother's Day, and Father's Day. When I had my first birthday without my dad, I really didn't know how to feel about it. The week before was full of so much anxiety, just not knowing how to even expect myself to feel. Because one thing I've learned with grief is you honestly don't even know sometimes what is going to upset you and what isn't going to upset you. I ended up taking my birthday off of Facebook because I didn't want to be bombarded with a bunch of happy birthdays because honestly, I wasn't excited. I was not ready to start another year of my life knowing that from there on out, my dad was not going to be a part of any of it. He was no longer going to be a part of my life or be there for me as I experience things and continue to get older. Because as we all know, adulting is not the funnest thing in the world. And having your dad there whenever you have a house problem or car issues takes such a weight off of our own shoulders. So knowing that he wasn't going to be here to be that help And to be the solid rock we have stood on for so many years, I just didn't want anything to do with my birthday. The other holiday that was hard for me isn't one that tends to be hard for some people, which was the 4th of July. And that's because since I can remember, me and my mom and my dad have worked a 4th of July picnic every year. There's baseball, food, games, people, sometimes animals come, and it's just so much fun. And my dad was always a very big part of those events that happened. He would be ahead of it all, asking people to help, giving them things to do, making sure everything was in line. So when we went this year, it was very hard on me, especially remembering that that time last year I was already beginning to grieve knowing that he was going to pass away soon but I still chose to go and help and be there and do what I could because that's exactly what my dad would have wanted me to be doing he wouldn't want me sitting at home sad on the 4th of July he would want me out with my friends and family in the sunshine trying my best to have a good day. And it was a good day. But I could still see the chaos that the church was dealing with, trying to get it all organized and flowing well, because that's exactly what my dad always did for them. And he wasn't there this year. So they were all having a really hard time. Moments like that really helped me to remember that me and my mom and his other direct family are not the only ones grieving his passing. Every friend he ever made in every life that he ever impacted is grieving his passing. And doing the activities that you used to do with that person, whether you were direct family or a friend can be incredibly hard. But doing those things helps to keep their memory alive in our lives. Even if you don't keep up the traditions the first, second, or third year after they've passed, you can pick back up on them later and still keep their memory alive. It's understandable that the first year and even the second year can be extremely hard when it comes to keeping the traditions alive And remembering them because when we try to those first couple of years remembering them is almost more of just a reminder that they're not here but they're only not here physically their energy and their spirit is always around you I'm sure you've noticed that this episode is a little bit longer than most of my other episodes. And with the amount of information that's being given, I just want us to take a moment and take a deep breath. I want you to take a deep breath in through your nose into your belly for a full seven seconds. Hold that deep breath in for about two to three seconds. And then take a long sigh out of your mouth. All right, let's get back to talking about the survey. The next question that I asked was what you wish people knew about grief. A lot of the answers mentioned how grief never truly ends and how once you're grieving You're grieving for the rest of your life. But they also mentioned how that grief comes in waves. So when I say that grief is lifelong, it doesn't mean that we're crying and sobbing every single day. That's where the waves come in. And waves can be triggered by anything, whether it's something that triggers you while you're out in public, something that happens to the world as a whole. An anniversary, anything could trigger a wave, and waves can be short or long. You just never really know until you're already deep in the wave. Sometimes we can predict when a wave is coming, like when a holiday or a birthday is coming up, we kind of already know that they're more than likely to hit. But then there are things that happen, like Queen Elizabeth II passing away, and just reliving All the things that come with grief on the news every single morning can be a huge trigger. One thing that I wish people knew about grief is how much it truly affects your day-to-day life. My outlook on life and my day-to-day tasks is not nearly the same as it was a year ago. But at the same time, I'm thankful for the way that I look at things. But that doesn't stop when just the way that a man gets out of his truck reminds me of my dad. Or how life doesn't even seem exciting. Something as small as possibly having to get a new phone is hard. Knowing that this phone is the last phone that my dad purchased for me. Or how I accidentally called his phone while I was grocery shopping the other day. And how quickly my brain switched from, oh, sorry, dad, to, wait, he's not here anymore. Is mind-blowing. Losing a parent is almost like having someone cut off your arm. It's a part of you that's been there as long as you can remember. And now that it's gone... Your brain truly cannot comprehend where it went. But just like if you had your arm cut off, you wouldn't forget that you ever had that arm. So you're not going to forget your parent no matter how much time goes by. The next question that I want to discuss is what you wish your job would have done differently. A lot of the answers I got talked about more PTO and the supervisors being more understanding when it comes to people that are grieving calling out for grief days without asking any questions. Calling out of work has been something I feel we have all been taught is a big no-no. So sometimes it's really hard for us to do even when we're sick, but when it comes to grief... It can be so overpowering and just completely take over your emotions to the point where functioning, especially at your job, isn't possible. And if we can't do our best work, we don't want to be at work. When we express our concerns that come with our grief and the ways it is making our daily tasks at work harder... We need our supervisors to listen. And although you may not understand because you haven't been in that direct position of losing a parent, you can still be considerate of everything that we are having to deal with. Not only emotionally, but physically, spiritually, everything. I wasn't sure if I wanted to discuss what happened to me after my father passed within my work. But I feel like others need to be aware of these things that are happening to people that are grieving. I was teaching when my dad passed away. And I took one week off of work for his funeral and everything else that needed to take place and then went back to work. And I know teaching sounds like a very stressful job to be in when you're grieving and no doubt that it was but at the same time I loved my children and seeing them every day helped me so much. It allowed me to have the discussion of death and passing away with the kids I was teaching which already puts that in their mind instead of avoiding it like a lot of us do. But as time went on, I obviously became more stressed. And the person I had in my room with me was making my classroom more stressful. And when I expressed the concerns I had to my supervisor, they were ignored. My supervisor at the time knew that my father had passed away, but never seemed extremely concerned by it. She seemed more concerned with making sure that I was doing my job and not that I was okay. One day I was asked to come into my supervisor's office and some accusations were made of things that I had been doing that were absolutely not true. And from there, she said that they were going to lessen my hours as to help with my grief. I was heartbroken by the accusations, but hopeful that my hours would be lessened and that that would help me to do better in my classroom. Well, the next day after my lunch break, she asked me to come into her office again, which she proceeded to tell me that other teachers had also made accusations that were similar, and because of this, they were going to terminate me. Of course, I was just in complete shock. One, because I knew the first allegations were not true, therefore these weren't either. And I also knew the regulations that came with the accusations that were made. And that terminating the person just based off of accusations is not what you were supposed to do. On the paper that they gave me for my termination, they mentioned nothing about what they thought I had done, but simply said that I was not up to standards. Up to this point in my life, I had defined myself by my job and thought that I was doing the best I possibly could at it. So to be told that I wasn't up to standards hurt so much and just. Added to the grief I was already feeling from my father's passing. In order to get everything out of my classroom, it took my car and my husband's car. And even almost a year later, some of those kids are still asking about me and where I'm at. Because the supervisor never told the kids or any of the parents what happened to me or why I disappeared. This showed me that they didn't want to have to make accommodations for a grieving employee. They would have simply much rather had gotten rid of me and brought someone else in that didn't need so much help. But what hurt the most was not getting to say goodbye to my kids and how much that probably hurt them to not get an explanation as to where I was and if I was coming back, I I can't even begin to think that they think that I just left because they weren't behaving appropriately. I don't want them going the rest of their lives thinking I was mad at them. So I just left because they're going to start to think that other people in their life are going to do the same. All because of a grieving employee, we caused more trauma to children. If we only care about our employees and treat them with the most respect when they are happy and healthy, we're failing as supervisors because none of us are truly happy and healthy and rainbows and butterflies 24 seven. And if we keep forcing ourselves to put that mask on our face every day, we're just going to continue to become lower and lower on the inside. The next question I asked was, what has changed about you since your loved one has passed? I'm just going to read off a list of the answers that I got for this question. Empty. Lost. Identity. Boundaries. Empathy times a thousand, wanting more alone time, don't want to die but no longer afraid to, more social, and enjoying the time we have. As you can see, there are both positives and negatives that come with how we look at ourselves after losing someone we're extremely close to. Having a constant in your life disappear leaves a big empty hole inside of us, which is where the feeling of being empty comes from. There's something inside of us that needs to be filled that no longer will be, which can lead to the loss of identity. You don't have the same motivation and the same pleasures with the things that you used to. But that loss of identity also comes with bringing in new traits that were needed, like being able to set boundaries with people, having empathy for a lot of the other people in this world that you originally didn't, wanting more alone time so that you can recharge your own battery in order to continue giving back out to others. But then also just learning to truly enjoy the life that we have since we are still here. We gotta have as much fun as we can and be as happy as we can, grow as much as we can, because that's exactly what they would want us to be doing. That I truly understand that death is not the end, it's a transition. And even though I know it's simply a transition, there's the human side of me that still doesn't want to die because I don't want to leave behind the loved ones that I have here. But at the same time, I am so excited to see my dad again. I know that every day that passes, I'm getting closer to running and jumping in his arms again. And I I can't even begin to tell you how much joy that brings me. I've also personally gotten better at setting my own boundaries with everyone that I have within my life. Because boundaries are healthy for our own well-being. I used to honestly let people walk all over me and hurt me and honestly not be very considerate of me and my time and my feelings. But now, I'm not wasting the time that I have left. And you may feel like you've lost your identity for right now. And that's totally normal and completely valid. But just know, as more time goes on, you are going to continue to transform and change into a better person. And you will begin to love the new identity you have My second to last question was, have you lost any friendships? The results to this answer actually surprised me a little bit. 42.8% said none, 28% said some, and 7% said most. I have maybe one or two, maybe three friends that I still talk to that I was already friends with before my dad passed away. When you lose a loved one and you have other friends that haven't lost a loved one yet, they can tend to avoid you because the reality of death scares them because of their lack of understanding of it. And so when they avoid you, they're avoiding that reality and they don't have to confront it. They don't know what to say, and they don't know what to do, so they distance themselves. And sometimes it's the things they do say and do that cause you to not want to be their friend anymore. They get tired of the constant crying and complaining and constantly talking about missing your loved one. They don't know how to put it in front of their face every day like it is in yours and it becomes too much. So they can tell you to move on and get over it and to stop whining and all kinds of sayings that actually hurt much more than they realize. And sometimes these hard circumstances in our lives show us who truly cares and who truly doesn't. And it gives us the opportunity To trickle down to those few people that truly want to be there for us and focus our time and energy on them. My last question was What are some things that have helped you through your grief? A lot of the answers that I received were podcasts, YouTube, music, family and friends, books, etc. We all cope differently. And thankfully, there are so many different things that can help each of us with our coping. Whether that's getting on YouTube and researching anything you can so that what's currently happening in your life makes more sense. Or listening to a podcast of somebody else that's going through the same thing so you don't feel so alone in your circumstances. Music can help get those emotions going, and help put words to the emotions. They can also just help you to release those emotions. Because sometimes, even if I want to cry, I can't. So a sad song is just what I need. Having friends or family that have also experienced loss can be a big help as well. Because they've been there before, They kind of have an understanding of what you're going through and may have a better idea of how to help you. And if they know you personally, they really will know what helps you and what doesn't. One of the things I originally started to help me cope was crafting. And crafting and being creative is such an easy way to ground yourself because, in order to be creative and have the ideas and then bring them to life, you have to be in a grounded state of mind. Whether that's painting, sketching, doing something with your cricket, or making moss related sculptures and decorations like I did originally. Taking all of that darkness inside of you and turning it into something beautiful really changes your mindset and shows you what you're capable of doing, even at such a low point. Meditation has also helped me so much more than I could have ever imagined that it would. And even if I'm not sitting for 30 straight minutes and just breathing, taking the time when I see that I need to, because I'm getting overwhelmed to just sit and recenter center and take a couple of deep breaths really helps me throughout my day. There are also so many TV shows and movies that relate to death and passing that can bring clarity and even some humor to your situation that can make you feel a little bit better. And we all know that laughter is the best medicine anyway. Well, that wraps up this week's episode. I know it was a little bit longer than most of my other episodes, but I hope you guys enjoyed it. I hope it brought you a little bit of clarity and to not feel so alone on your grief journey. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you next time.